Welcome to the club, ladies. The one that no one wants to join, the Divorce Club. I have some good news for you. There is a path to find hope, healing, and happiness, no matter what your circumstances are. I'm Jen Zingmark, a Christian life coach, and I can help you find joy in your journey. So let's go. Many of my clients ask me, how is it possible to heal and move on with your life after you've been betrayed by your spouse? How is it possible to trust again after you've been lied to? And I want to talk about that today. Fidelity is a promise of faithfulness by one person to another. It's a commitment we make between people. When we trust our spouse, we simply believe that they'll do what they say they'll do. And we, um, we believe that they'll be faithful because they say they will. And when people say one thing and do a contradictory thing, we can acknowledge that or not. We can choose to take that as a personal offense towards us, or we can accept that people are flawed and make mistakes and forgive them and choose to believe that they will be faithful in the future. Basically, it comes down to a choice to believe a certain thought. Now, I'm not telling you to trust people who continually prove that they do not honor their commitments. That would not be a healthy choice for anyone. At some point, we have to start to question why we would continue to stay with a person who repeatedly broke our trust or treated us poorly. It ultimately boils down to lovability and our belief in our own lovability. At some point, this is something everyone must confront. In my experience, most people struggle with a belief in their own lovability and their own worthiness. And many times they stay in relationships that are not good for them because they lack their own confidence and belief in their own worthiness or lovability. All human beings of every shape, color, size, creed, ethnicity, or race are 100% worthy of being loved. Um, we are all valuable. We were created by an almighty God who made every person unique and special, no matter what your race, ethnicity, flaws, weaknesses. It doesn't matter. God doesn't make mistakes and he didn't make a mistake when he made you. We are all like a $1 million bill. We're all worth the same amount in the eyes of our God. And although some of our bills are torn and ripped and crumpled, we each have value, the same value that we were born with, the same value that we will have, no matter what mistakes we've made in our lives. And there's nothing we can do to decrease that worth or value that God has given us. And that is something that we need to learn to understand and believe and know about ourselves 
that no matter what has happened in our lives, we are each worthy and valuable. And it's a hard concept to grasp, um, especially if you've experienced trauma and abuse or neglect or betrayal, um, which we all have in some degree or another. Um, all humans are flawed, but this does not diminish our value as perfect individuals created by God. And we all deserve to be loved, cherished, and valued. One of the most important things that we can do for ourselves and especially for our children, if we are mothers is help them to understand this. And we should understand this ourselves that everyone has value and worth. Um, I love this beautiful quote by Brene Brown. She said, I now see how owning our story and loving ourselves through that process is the bravest thing that we will ever do. I know if you're here with me today, your life has gone off track to some degree or another. No one plans to get a divorce. Um, no one gets married and thinks that one day they will end up divorced. And I know that if you are here with me today, you've experienced trauma and trials and it's easy to believe that maybe you're not as valuable as you once once were, or maybe you're flawed. And that's the reason why your marriage failed. And I'm here to tell you that we're all human. None of us are perfect, but you are valuable and you need to understand your worth and appreciate that in order to have the self-respect to make the decisions to make your future better than your past. So I'm going to help you with that. I'm not saying that anyone should stay in an unhealthy relationship where someone is unfaithful to you. That is a personal, very um, private, difficult decision that I feel like you can only make if when you're in that situation. Um, so everyone has to decide for themselves the boundaries that they can live with and um, the behaviors that they're willing to accept inside their marriage um, and in their own life. But ultimately it comes back to a choice to believe a thought, no matter what the circumstances are. When you decide you want to trust someone again or develop a new relationship and build trust with someone, you simply have to believe the thought that they are trustworthy and live into that belief and continue believing that truth daily. It just comes down to a choice to believe that thought. No one knows what any other person in the world is going to do. But as I like to say, the best indicator of future behavior is past behavior. So I think it is vitally important that when you're judging the character of a person to enter into a relationship with, that you look to their past behaviors and how they have lived their life. What moral compass has guided their life before you came into it? Because most likely this person is going to act in the future very much like they have acted in the past. Now, 
I'm not saying that people can't change. I do believe they can. But if a person's past has been full of broken promises and infidelities, and they have had a come to Jesus moment and changed their life and decided to live an honest, faithful life going forward. If it were me, I would have to witness and observe this change of heart for a significant period of time, at least a year or two or three before I would believe that it was a permanent change in character. But that's me. That's my advice. If you are thinking of entering a relationship with someone who's had a past with infidelities and um, broken promises. Um, anyway, um, I understand what it feels like to be betrayed and heartbroken and to lose trust and to lose trust in the person that you have given your virtue, your life, built your family with, and they betray you. It is devastating and heartbreaking and can be soul crushing. I understand this perfectly well, but as you put your faith in God and realize your own individual worthiness as a human being, and that their actions have nothing to do with your worthiness and value as a person, as a wife, as a mother, as a human being, then you can rebuild your life and create the life you want to have, um, with the people that have the values that you do that have the same moral compass and commitment, um, to each other. Um, I even believe that it can be with that spouse that broke your trust and betrayed your marriage vows. I have witnessed couples go through infidelity and come out on the other side, more aware of each other's individual wants and needs and, um, more intimate and committed to each other and their marriage than they were before the infidelity. And I can speak from my personal experience about this. Um, in my first marriage, my husband struggled with a pornography addiction that plagued our marriage. Um, from the beginning, his life and even his life before I met him. Um, I was very young when I was married the first time. I was only 19 and very naive and immature in the ways of the world, especially, and not familiar with um, pornography addiction and the red flags that were there before we were married. Um, but Pretty quickly, um, I became aware that there were some problems and um, became aware of his addiction. And I tried to help him to overcome it. Um, I spent countless hours praying for him. I read books on pornography addiction and overcoming addictions and um, the evils of pornography. I would fast for him and go meet with bishops and counselors and um, do everything I could to try to help him overcome this problem. It caused me so much pain and heartache and suffering um, when I became aware that he would, you know, fall back into his old patterns of uh, viewing pornography. And 
most of the time, whenever I confronted him, um, about this, he was really sad and sorry for his actions. I could tell that this addiction was, um, hurting him too. He didn't like the person he was becoming and had become through this addiction. And he was very apologetic and, and remorseful and wanted to stop the addiction. Um, but really, really struggled with it. Um, all of our marriage, um, I could see that he was just stuck in the throes of this, this horrible addiction and couldn't couldn't break it off. Um, ultimately it tested my faith and love for God and him beyond the bounds that I thought were possible. Um, but I found a way, um, to see him as God saw him, um, as a struggling weak child of God caught in the throes of this horrible, nasty web of addiction and lies and deceit. And he wanted to get out of it. Um, he expressed that to me many times and just really didn't know how. And over the course of our marriage, I witnessed this horrible addiction, rob him of everything that was good and beautiful and full of light about him. Um, the pornographic addiction ultimately led him to have an extramarital affair. Um, and it crushed me. I was sick physically and mentally and heartbroken and distraught with, with real pain and grief over this. And I realized that I had a choice to forgive him and stay in my marriage or in my marriage. Um, it was pretty soon after the birth of our third child. And I had two young children and I was nursing my baby and I had been a full-time mom, all of our marriage and had no way of supporting myself financially. And I really didn't feel like I had much of a choice. And most of all, what I wanted more than anything was to put my family back together and, and heal and find a way to forgive him and move on from this horrible, um, event. Um, it took many, many, many months and, um, it was, it was a difficult time, um, because of the circumstances, um, we actually lived separately in our own home for eight or nine months and went to counseling together and wrote through the repentance process with our bishop. And, um, it, it was, it was my choice to forgive him. And through a lot of prayer and tears and heartache, I, um, found a way to, to have enough love for him and, and through God's help to forgive him. And I really didn't think it was possible. I didn't think I could do it, but I did. And I was able to see him as, you know, broken and, um, just the broken person that he was. And, and he was very vulnerable with me about his, his sorrow and sadness for what he has, 
um, actions had caused. And, and he also wanted to repair the damage that he had done and to find a way to get out of this horrible addiction. And, um, through God's help, we were able to work through it. And, um, it was a difficult time, but we, we did get through that time and I was able to forgive him. And, um, he put forth a lot of effort and time and, and really working on this, his addiction. And, um, we made a lot of progress. Um, it was amazing to see the healing that could come from forgiving him and, um, just allowing the atonement of Jesus Christ to, to help me, um, heal from that horrible, um, event and to be able to see him as, you know, someone that was flawed and, and wanting, seeking forgiveness and, and wanting compassion. And, and I was able to give him that. And it, it definitely changed me as a person. And I, I came to gain a lot more compassion for those struggling with addictions. And, um, it was just, uh, miraculous really for me, um, to be able to do that. And, um, definitely God helped me to become a better person, a better mother, um, a better human being through that process. And for a brief time, I really felt like our relationship, our marriage was stronger than ever before. And we were more connected and more united and than we had been ever before. Um, but relatively quickly, his demons came calling and without, I don't know, the fortitude and strategies in place to combat them. He, he gave into them again and just started down his old path and, um, picked back up his old habits with the pornography. And, um, this time it seemed to go a lot quicker and much more drastically, um, downhill, um, fast. And it was an intense downward spiral that happened pretty quickly. And, um, it led him to another extramarital affair. And when I found out about this, um, this time it was different. I knew I could forgive him because I had done it before and I knew I was capable of it. Um, and I knew I would forgive him again, whether I decided to stay in the marriage or not, um, for myself, I knew that I, I couldn't live with the bitterness and, and hurt that, that I felt from this betrayal. But the question that, you know, arose was, you know, am I willing to live in this type of marriage or not? Um, was I willing to raise my children in this type of family to raise my daughters to, to accept behavior like this from her husband, to raise my sons to become men that cheat and expect their wives to live with it. And I absolutely was not willing to do that. And with God's help and through a lot of prayer and fasting, um, I decided that I would not raise my children like that. And 
that I, I'm confident that I knew God's will for me at that time. And it was not to stay in that, that type of marriage. And I could see that his addictions had just taken over his life and the good that was in him when I first knew him and when we first met and all of the hope and an ambition for the future and, you know, drive to, to be the person he was capable of being, it was gone. And, um, you know, I had enough self-worth and enough respect to choose to end my marriage at that point, um, rather than stay in it. And, um, I saw God's help in my life during that time more than ever. And I know for certain that that was God's will for me. It was one of the most difficult times in my life. And I know many of you can relate to what it is like tearing your family apart and separating yourself from partners that are destructive and hurtful to you and your family. And, um, you know, no one gets married to get divorced. And I was raised in a family. My parents were divorced. And I, the one thing I wanted when I got married was not to get divorced. And I committed when I got married that I would never get a divorce. And it was never my plan or intention or desire in any way. But I realized at that point, I, I had to do what was best for me and my children and our future. And it was not to stay in that marriage. And, um, so I had to accept the reality that I was getting a divorce and I still had no source of income for me and my children. And, um, I had, you know, three very young children, but I had a lot of faith in God and I knew somehow he could make the impossible possible and that he could work out the details and create a path for me to move forward. If I just put my trust in him and he would lead the way. And it happened as I took one step in the dark, the light would come. And then I would take another step in the dark and then the light would come. And I just continued walking into the dark and God lit my path each step at a time as I needed it. And I, I can't even believe all that happened during that time and all the many ways God provided for me and my children, but it, it happened. And I know that he will do the same for each of you as you put your faith in him. It wasn't all sunshine and rose petals after that. There were definitely some tough days and a lot of difficult times, um, moving forward, but I know that I made the right choice for me and my children. And, um, I think it was because I know that I am fully capable and a hundred percent worthy of being loved and of giving love and devotion without exceptions and without, um, you know, a lapse in my commitment and faith and devotion to my spouse. And I wasn't willing to live in a marriage without receiving that. And, um, it was a difficult decision, but I, I have no regrets and I know that it was the right one for me. 
um, I can't say that it was easy to trust another man again, when the time came for when I started dating and, um, when I eventually got remarried, it was difficult to trust again. I was suspicious of all men and mostly felt like men were untrustworthy. Um, but I was older and wiser. Um, the second time around, I was 30 years old and, um, I had learned a lot in that time about, um, human behavior and about that. The best indicator of future behavior is past behavior. And so I was looking very closely uh, into the past. Um, when I started dating my husband, um, now I, I ask a lot of questions, a lot of different ways and made sure there were no gaps or holes or contradictions. And, um, I definitely ask, you know, ref for references. I talked to mutual friends and church leaders and, and everyone I could about his history and, and made certain that I, I knew him well and, um, could trust his past. Now, although I trusted his past, that was no guarantee of future behavior, but it's a good predictor. And so that was really important to me. And I would recommend that you all do the same. Um, you, you definitely need to know well whom you're getting into a relationship with, especially the second time around. But um, it, um, it worked out really well for me. So the moral of the story is, I was able to trust again, and I met a wonderful, loving, devoted husband, and we have now been married for almost 17 years. So it is possible, ladies, to love and trust again after you have been betrayed by someone you love. Um, there's a beautiful quote by Brene Brown where she says, you are imperfect. You are wired for struggle but you are worthy of love and belonging. And that is what I would like to say to each of you is life isn't perfect. We're all in the struggle here dealing with the trials of divorce together, but we're wired for this. We're made to overcome. That's the, that is the human spirit. That is the essence of the human spirit is overcoming difficulty and and moving forward. And I know that each one of you can do this. Every one of you ladies are worthy of love and acceptance and fidelity and do not accept anything less. All humans are flawed, but this does not diminish our value as perfect individuals created by God. You are 100% lovable and deserve to be loved and cherished and valued. And that is my wish and my goal for every one of you. Every one of you is like that $1 million bill, whether it's torn or ripped or crumpled, you are still worth every penny of that $1 million. And I hope you all remember that. Have an awesome day and bye y'all. Are you struggling with the trials of divorce? There is a path to find joy in your journey. I would love to help you go to jenzingmark.com to get all the info there. You'll find a free download to help you start thinking happier thoughts today. 
and you can sign up to receive my weekly newsletter. If you like what you've heard here and want to dive deeper into this work, sign up for a free mini session with me. This is just the tip of the iceberg, my friends. There is so much more. I would love to work with you and be your life coach.